And instead of replicating things, we should be producing new versions of things, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's ad hoc, even if it's a one-off, like it's about making the statement for yourself, right? But also for your community. Welcome to Life Lessons of a Creative Entrepreneur, where we talk about how to become the best version of you so your creative business can thrive. Giovanni, thank you so much for being here. Finally, we're here. I feel like we've rescheduled like four times on four different projects. So super happy to have you. Today is all about the intentionality behind owning, scaling, creating a creative business. Whether you're a designer, whether you're in video production world, doesn't matter what type of art medium you're using. Mm -hmm. If you want your craft to open opportunities for other people if you want to do some really big things you have to create a business out of that and um and the creative business is often very different than a lot of other industries um businesses so yeah so first of all i know that you used to be uh an owner of an agency so first of all talk to us about some of your highlights in your life as an as a creative professional Sure. and kind of that venture with your agency as well. Yeah, yeah. So my journey started in startup land, and it was, it was really about finding the passion that connected me to the kind of work I wanted to do. And in the early days, it was like, how do I get closer to the types of skills that I'm attracted to that I know are going to get me to the next level? And so it was all student mindset, learning mindset, growth mindset, and this idea that it can be temporary, you know, and things can be temporary and be okay as long as you're heading towards your path. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was getting closer to startups as a business and trying to understand what drives that model and also how to speak the lingo, you know. Certain businesses have different stages and different life cycles, right? Enterprise business, for example, very long life cycle, monolithic. Startup land, totally different culture, right? It's about pacing and timing and all these networks that you have to create. So there's a people side to it. And so I needed to learn all of those inherent skills. And some of them I already had, just as being me, being a person. And the other times it was you know, thinking about how to work as a team and seeing a team grow with you. So when you talked about community, it kind of connects that idea of like, well, you know, what happens when you have a very, very small team or you're like the only designer on a team or you're the only creative person on a team? People inherently put you in like a leadership role, right? Because they're looking to see, well, what does so-and-so have to say about it? And you need to have an answer. So that puts you back into that student mindset. But yeah, those were early days. And, and then after that, it was thinking about, well, what would I like to do now? Now that I have all of that knowledge and I'm heading towards this path, what's the next step logically? And it's starting a business, right? Mm -hmm. It's thinking about removing the ceiling and getting closer to your goal in reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now you don't work for anybody else. You're totally accountable to yourself. How do you even think about taking that first step, right? Outside of, well, kind of like the paternalistic model that you have when you're working for somebody else. And what were some of the, you would say, biggest challenges when you were kind of starting to create that business and understanding that you as an artist is completely separate than you as this creative entrepreneur? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, well, I think you need to understand the artist self, your artist self better. Mm. And, um, and not to think in, in terms of limitations, but there are boundaries to what that version of you has to say and what 
you can share, right? Like not everything, every, you don't share every thought that comes to your mind, obviously, mm -hmm. right? And as you learn, you grow, you, you speak a certain dialect with your parents, you speak a certain dialect with your communities that you're involved with or on a professional or personal level, intimacy lever, right? There's a certain way that we learn to speak to other people, mm -hmm. but we don't always think about that towards ourselves, like inwardly. Like how, how am I gonna communicate with that inner artist, right? Like how, what's appropriate for that inner artist to express? And you have to have something to say, I think. And I think mm. not, art is not purely just expression, right? Expressing the thought, expressing the, the premise of living your mind, but it's also thinking about, you know, well, how can I build a business that allows me to amplify those messages in a creative way where it's not purely art, it's not an object, it's not an object, but it's something that's living. And for me, it was systems. It was creating and designing systems. So it was getting closer to the business side of an of a business like a startup business would have an immediately immediate identifiable need, which is to become a brand. Mm. You know, so there's a storytelling aspect that I love, which is part of my artist voice is storytelling. And then it's also this other idea of like craft, because in order to stand out and differentiate, you have to really understand not just the business model, how they make money, but you also have to understand. What are, what's the stories behind those founders? And every founder has a story. That's what makes a good company. You know, they have a vision that they pursued. And, and even the failures, like, those are really important keystones of that building, that foundation, right? And for brand storytelling, it's like, that's a goldmine. Mm. <laughs> so how do you get closer to getting some, extracting some of that early, in the, early on in the process? And if you can put those things together, you can kind of, kind of align your inner vision with your inner artist, mm. you know? And that was sort of the premise. It was like the sweet spot was thinking about where do I fit in as a design person and an artist within a business model? And that's in the very beginning of things, when things need a foundation. And there needs to be a creative solution to a, an immediate problem. Mm -hmm. Whether it's fundraising, identity, differentiation, you know, whatever it might be. Mm. So you're kind of saying that like the key differences between your artist self and then this creative entrepreneur that needs to grow a business, needs to do all this, is the systems that you create to facilitate the day-to-day -day business aspects of it. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it, it comes down to, like, you know, logistics, tools, also scale systems is about scale, right? It's like if you have a great idea, and it might be a very artistic idea, it's abstract maybe, too abstract for the business to scale it. How do you translate that? And you have to be able to make sense and break down what that solution is into something, into small chunks. And that's really what a system is. It's, mm -hmm. it's small habits, right? Small things that are connected by a single idea. And then you're able to replicate it without it breaking because someone can follow your logic. So you move an abstract into something solid and real. Mm. And I feel like at the beginning of businesses, that's where a lot of people, they're kind of in that same situation. They're, they have a nebulous thought of what they want to do. They have the energy. They might even have the capital, right? Depending on their connections. And then they, they just don't know where to start mm. or how to start. And so systems in that relationship to where a business is, they're real similar. And I think it was just like a natural sort of symbiotic mm -hmm. fitting, you know, between those two different points in time in my life, but also in a business's life. And the cool thing is that there's no shortage of startups. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're having, we're having exponential growth in that space. Even during the pandemic, 
you know, we are having record numbers of startups hitting unicorn status, for example. So I think it's the idea of always being close to a founder mindset that's really attractive to me too, mm -hmm. because I feel like the inner artist of me always wants to start new ideas, wants to bring new concepts to life. And that's where new founders are usually at in the beginning. Mm. Yeah, no, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And what about the artist that doesn't want to understand or gain the necessary skills and knowledge to grow a creative business what if they're just like you know like i want to have full control of my art i want to have full control of everything i want to work on these huge opportunities but i don't want to deal with the business side of it which i to me every artist should so if that you're resisting the business side then that's something that you need to look within yourself and and understand why you're having that resistance to that part of it what would you say to those types of artists I would say they're they're limiting themselves. I think they need to think of it as, you know, I like architecture, right? So I think of it as like building materials. If you don't understand the materials in front of you, you can't understand the limitations, right? Mm -hmm. Or the possibilities of the thing. Whether it's like fabric or shoe design or creative or graphic design, right? It's like if you're only taking from one source, you're not understanding all the possibilities in front of you. And for me, as a creative person, I would think they'd get excited about the opportunity to have more opportunity, right? More, more ideas, new thoughts, divergent thinking. You know, it's like finding or discovering something, a flavor for the first time. And it's existed 100 years, and you're just figuring it out. It's not about, you know, oh, I missed out on it. It's about, wow, now what? Now what can I do, right? What's next? So I would get them excited about thinking about that bigger vision that they might have that they've been scared to approach and think of this as sort of like the door to do it and as mm -hmm. soon as they walk through you know maybe it's not so scary but getting there you know it might be a challenge at first exactly because really that whole kind of strenuous process of building a business only happens in this kind of first stage of mm -hmm. setting up your systems setting up your processes because once you have that running smoothly it, you buy back so much more time for yourself to be able to do the things that you are passionate about and love to do but they kind of have to coexist if you truly want to tap into like you say all the opportunities and the possibilities um, that exist out there for a creative person and a creative endeavor in general so I definitely agree with that that's awesome alright so we're gonna dive into another because this is kind of all about the mindset of a cre owning a creative business being a creative entrepreneur like it's all about like it, the foundation piece that you need to truly grow as a person as an artist and you know consequentially build your business um, mentorship I am a big fan of mentorship. I believe that people don't practice it enough. They don't see it as a necessity uh, to go out there and spend money on someone that's going to help you avoid the mistakes of building a business or of, or or navigate the the struggles and the challenges of of that opportunity sometimes bring right because it's, it's not all roses and having someone that you can discuss with and 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 bounce ideas off and can tell and that's been there that can give you that 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 learning you know that helping hand what you know what what do you what do you say to that why why do you think people are not taking advantage of all of the opportunities to get a mentorship to get help and not investing in that i do i do a lot of reading on like how to deplete the ego mm. 
because that's a challenge for me. I think it's a challenge for all creators. <laughs> this idea that you're in a seat of creation, right? It's something that you own, but you also don't own mm -hmm. at the same time. And I think it's a bad attribution because if you think when you create something that's singular from yourself only, the very first thought you have, that you don't really own that thought, right? Like that thought came from you. You might be the source. But let's say you thought about, um, you know, creating something that already existed. Mm -hmm. And then you discover later it existed already, pre-existed your thought. Who owns it then? And who owned it before them? So it's less about the ego. You know, it's more about things like community or impact, right? Or, th or thought-provoking contrast. It's about creating discussion. It's about ger generating the energy, right? To carry on that new work by other people. And if you can see it activated in others, it becomes a really, really powerful currency because now people don't know you for your artwork, they know you for your impact. They know that when they're around you, they feel a certain way or they can speak to you or share certain things with you. To me, that's like the base of any good piece of art, right? It provokes, it's emotive, and even things that are inanimate, imbuing emotion into them or taking emotion or experiential value out of something that's static. That's powerful art right there. And how do you get closer to that? Well, you have to have <laughs> some guidance. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't all get there alone. And if you think about mentors a little differently, if you think about them from a non-ego standpoint, how did we all arrive here? Mm -hmm. Nobody asked to be born. We didn't sign a sheet and we got here. We just arrived. And suddenly, we have this relationship with, you know, what should be our parents. And some of us have mixed families or whatever. But this idea that, you know, people brought you here, not of your own volition. A mentor is not unlike that. It's like you have a relationship with somebody that you don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So it could be scary to deplete part of your ego and see that person as an extension of your thought or your, your process, right? Because they're offering you advice. I think the, the most critical thing for me was understanding what to ask for. Thinking through before I even speak to somebody, you know, knowing myself, my own thoughts and my path and trying to make sure I can find somebody that I felt would connect to the questions, not the answers, you know, and I knew if I knew they can connect to that, then there'd be a really valuable discussion there. And for me, you know, it creates more possibility. That's what we we're talking about earlier. It's about generating kismet in your life. And as an artist, you know, networking gets you closer access to more, more knowledge, more people, right? More shared advice, more thought leadership. And eventually, you become an interpreter of things. Just like you interpret other people, we interpret things all the time. Mm -hmm. That's all we do as humans. Our, our, our minds are wired that way to make sense of things, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we have cognitive dissonance. But if you make sense of the world around you, that's art also. You know, because no one can tell me your version of red, you know, for example. We have a red book here. <laughs> but your version read, my version read a little different. But we have to come to a coherent middle ground to say, this is what defines red, right? And we know scientifically this is what defines red on a spectrum. But it's that subjective experience that's different. So mentors allow you to get that subjectivity sometimes outside of yourself when you're so caught up in your head. And I think it also, for me, it's a sense of community. Friendship, kinship, you know, twin flames, all that great stuff. Awesome. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful definition of a uh, of mentorship. I love that. Um, yeah, it's so necessary for sure. So, what are some of the amazing things that you see coming from the artist community on the design side, or the painting side, or the public art side 
here and maybe some of the challenges that you also see with that community? Uh, I think there's sort of like a, we're in a weird time right now. <laughs> We're, we're in a weird time. I mean, it's a great, magnificent time, but it's, it's also a droll time, you know? It's oddly weird because we're, we're in sort of a time paradox. We're in this idea of that one, what pre-existed one created the other, and around and around we go in this loop. And what I mean by that is like our technology, right, and the way we approach work is being informed by all of these different areas. Like we have fashion, we have Instagram, we have social as a platform, the mechanisms of these platforms influencing the way, the guardrails around the way we tell stories or we build value, right, around objects. And this idea of meta too, I think all of those things combined though, they influence what we see around us. And so if we're always seeing and hearing the same thing, we kind of get this, you know, sort of like monolinear flavor of art monolinear flavor of design. And we used to see that back in the day when you would go to like a market, right? Like let's say manufacturing, or we got into fashion, you start looking at fashion houses, you look at their logo and branding, you look at all the sort of heritage aspects of them, there's, there's a story there, right? There's a single thread that unified all of the reasons why those things exist the way they do today. Even though we're living in a hyper-plastic world where we have Instagram whatnot, a Versace logo, has the face of Medusa, for example. That's old school Greek. Why are we making that reference? There's stories there is what I'm saying. And instead of replicating things, we should be producing new versions of things, right? Even if it's ad hoc, even if it's a one-off, like it's about making the statement for yourself, right? But also for your community. So sometimes when I see like a public art, for example, or I see sculptural art, I'm trying to get there. And if I can't get there, I almost have this need to like, how do I create dialogue with these people who have created these things mm -hmm. quickly so that I can get there, right? Because I'm not, I don't wanna, I'm not interested in my interpretation. I wanna know what is this saying? You know, like what, what's the statement here? And then I can have a reaction. And I don't wanna understand it fully, but I just, I want to hear from a source, right? Like I want there to be active dialogue, I think, instead of reactive dialogue. So. I think public space is, is inter interesting that way because you have a contextual uh, area around you that's informing the placement of something, right? Like it's in context, et cetera, or maybe out of context, um, or maybe it's playful or unexpected, you know? I think that's another challenge with the community in general is like doing the expected versus maybe doing something original, right? Or a single mode, or it could also come down to like tools or the ability to do things in public space is sort of semi-limited, right? Because there's certain rules and regulations versus let's say fashion, mm -hmm. right? Or digital design. Mm -hmm. There's not really a barrier there. It's just, it's pure concept sometimes even, and that, that exists, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So then you feel like that um, kind of maybe some of the opportunities in community right now is, is about creating more you of like these new versions of art that means something to you that you're trying to kind of express versus just trying to repl replicate what works or what um, is popular or what's trendy yeah. or because that's that's a very real thing within social media and all that it's like what can like literally Instagram feeds creators of the platform this is what's trendy this week go create more of that so then people can 
stay on the platform. So that that's right. a very real machine that's working yes. underneath the surface. Yes, that's the loop that I was talking about. That's that chicken or the egg sort of paradox we get into, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a mechanism of marketing. Mm -hmm. We're in a public space, we don't have to market. Yeah. So how do we create something that's relevant, it's grounded mm -hmm. in the now, that speaks to younger generations as well as older generations. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's, the, that's the beauty of public domain. That's what I like about graffiti culture, right? Like back in the 70s, like taking over a train, it's a rebellious act, yes, but it's also a statement, right, about the, the mechanism of industrialization and, mm -hmm. com and a community, right? This idea that, like for New York City, having a subway train system that connects things underground, you know, there's logical reasons why we moved down underground, right, for space. Mm -hmm. But what does it say about the way we're, we're traveling, right, like versus an above ground train? What does it say about the things we're exposed to? Think about it, like you go to Chicago, you take the L, you're elevated, that's why they call it the L, right? You're elevated and you're just like seeing mm -hmm. you're part of this thing versus you're like, you know, underground in a dark hole in, in a hot subway car. <laughs> you know, it's its own culture for sure but it's almost like too explicitly sub by being under. Do you know what I mean? And like, what would New York City look like? And there's some beautiful design work there, but like, what would it look like if it was above ground? Mm -hmm. Almost like it was a piece of public art. It's alive, you know, it's supposed to be proactive. And I think it would still be as relevant as it is, is now. It's not, that's not the issue. I think it's the issue of like, what is the broader effect it has when you start to be more intentional about why it's, it's public in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that's a really good point. And uh, moving on from this a little bit, personal branding. Ooh. What are your thoughts on, because you have the creative entrepreneur, that's kind of the engine behind the creative business that is the vehicle that is getting you these limitless opportunities because you have a cap as an individual person, of course. Um, and that's why you, you grow a business to grow the opportunities. Um, so then you have these two lanes. Personal branding is very much attached to the creative entrepreneur side of it, right? That gives kind of like that credibility factor to the creative business because the creative business doesn't run by itself. So what do you think about those two machines working together? Do you think there should be one before the other what do you, the power of personal branding especially now we're talking about authenticity we're talking about how people there's no more it's hard to be faceless or nameless and be successful so what are your thoughts around that whole yeah that whole piece? I, this is i love this question <laughs> uh i think it's we're in the best time to do it I think it's a necessity for sure. You're right. Like, like we're not Wizard of Oz. There is nobody behind the curtain. Everyone's in front of the curtain. And also, people want a personal connection. We're living in a digital age where we have to struggle with how to redefine connection, even though we're always connected. And getting there, I think, requires human interaction, right? You need to have that FaceTime with people. People want to see you're real. And they want your stories, you know? And I, I think it also forces us to live more, like live more completely so that we have stories to tell that are interesting, that connect with different people, you know? And we have a, a point of view on things. And I also think you have to think about timelessness. And even though we shift and we change and we grow as people and individuals, I think the timelessness isn't about the, isn't about the person per se, it's about the story that person is building, you know? So if you have a heading and you know what you want, if you have a vision that you feel really passionate about, 
think more about you know what you can offer other people through that vision rather than where that vision's going necessarily because that's going to change and adapt as you grow business mm -hmm. you're going to have to move you have to make concessions that make sense for you to survive so it's not so much about that and also you know what that person's perception is right publicly so get feedback early feedback is really great you know not friends and family but based off of your intention like if you have a project you launch it get feedback after that see how people feel about it how did they connect with it you know did it make sense was there a connection at all between your personal branding and the things that you're producing right because ultimately that's what builds a perception of something is what you deliver consistently over time mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you think about people that struggle with that personal branding aspect as far as like putting themselves out there um, they feel like they have a lot of fear around putting their private life mm -hmm. in in the public eye or being judged or caring about what people think or about all these different things like personal branding when done right is done with a lot of intention and vulnerability and one of those biggest things the first step to doing it effectively is getting rid of whatever people think about you because they're going to judge you regardless it's a human nature to judge others so what would you say to to these amazing artists that are absolutely leaving so much on the table because they're putting themselves behind the work mm. versus allowing that magic and that energy that's being put into the work shine through in its own arena i i like this question because i think the answer is the question you know lean into the your if you have fear lean into it start there there's your story right there that that's where the personal branding can take foot that could be your first step if you get on camera and you start talking about what you're what you're afraid of and why but what you want to do with that regardless mm -hmm. that's powerful you know and mm -hmm. i think if there's a lot of people that feel that way you're in you have an instant audience people are going to connect to that you know and then they get to see you grow throughout that journey because now that you've taken the step it's like you know it's like going downstairs for example versus going upstairs right if you already have the momentum of going down you're just gonna keep going down it's easy right it's, it's, it's less work than going upstairs sure but it's the same thing as showing up at the gym or any of these other things that people struggle with like mm -hmm. once you're there you might as well do something right mm -hmm. if you're dressed for it in the beginning you're gonna probably be ready to go so it's about adapting your mindset right and I think maybe just maybe you know there's more people that are afraid to do it than people that aren't so if that's the case, you already have many people to connect with. Mm. Love that, love that. And um, let's see, what about these artists that feel, they never feel good enough or they never feel like they have enough to share or enough to, because they're like maybe constantly um, judging themselves and comparing themselves to to the greats or people that have created all these huge pieces of work and gotten these huge opportunities. What is a good way for you to kind of get out of that mindset and lean into, you know, the work and what you're doing and, and all that? I think maybe just starting with something pure, you know, and what I mean by that is like something that you feel compelled to do, right? Like, um, for me, the way I connect back with the, the bigger projects sometimes that I feel are, are too much to take on, should I invest, is this, you know, do, can I pull it off financially, can I pull this off emotionally, like, all of those things take a toll, right, and that's, 
that's also the cost of great art or great work, right? In general, whether you're an entrepreneur or a creative person, like it's the same cost. It's energy, time, thought, finances, relationships, closeness, right? You have to curate your energy sources that are going out. And I think if you just get back to the fundamental thing, and for me, it's drawing, it, it really helps regenerate the confidence that I was lacking, right? Like having this idea of like, well, if I feel like I want to do something differently, I need to work through the mechanics of how I get there. And I sketch a lot, like my ideas, right? If it's like a prototype of something, if it's a UX, if it's like, I, I still draw, I'm analog in that way because I want to make it real for me first. Mm -hmm. And then I retranslate myself, right? So it gives me an extra layer to, to work through and process before I get to that pure state of something. And of course you get there and you get mm -hmm. feedback and you adapt, but you know, it, it reminds me like I can build that creative confidence by taking these small steps. And so it might be different for different people, but I would say maybe just start there, you know? And also find a community. Like you have to be around like-minded people and also people that challenge you, right? Mm -hmm. so, so having a community of both is really important. When you're feeling low like that, maybe you go to like-minded people that are gonna riff off of those ideas or they wanna see your creative process, right? They wanna ask you questions. And when you show interest in somebody, it's, it's a form of love. You're investing yourself, right, listening. So that's important too. You gotta regenerate that well somehow. So, you know, for me, I have to do both. And oftentimes also, I look to things that inspire me, like um, things that are not related to the immediate problem that I have pressure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I'm feeling pressure in business, maybe I'm not reading business books or entrepreneurial books, right? And I'm, I'm reading Ryan Holiday's or whatever. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking about architecture. Maybe I'm thinking about cooking. Maybe I'm thinking about my native identity, right? Like mm -hmm. there's other things that fuel me to get me there. Okay. That's beautiful. It's amazing. I think that that's a lot of really good stuff. I think we've talked about some really amazing things here. Um, I think that the last thing that I would like to close with is creative business naturally hasn't been easy because the systems and, and the world and business in general, the concept of business has not been set up to make it easy for creative entrepreneurs the way that it has been for people that are maybe in finance or in other industries. So yeah. we're kind of in this new world of we're molding and pioneering our own path. And as creative entrepreneurs, I believe that we have this like almost like advantage because we're naturally already thinking outside of the box and we're working in this intangible medium or industry, which is of the of art, right? This exchange of, of a digital good or a physical canvas or yeah. something that's like coming from an expression of yours. It's very unique. Um, and uh, so what, what, where do you think um, where do you think this is where we're heading in? What, what do you think, where do you see like some of the biggest opportunities for creative entrepreneurs to really shine through? Um, and how do you see the leverage of personal branding and social media and all these different ways to connecting directly with audience as, 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 a, as a potential way of getting there or doing that? And then what are your thoughts on all that? I, it's good because it's true. Like we gotta adapt and grow with what's, what's happening. The, the ties are shifting, like, for sure. And I think it's probably partnerships and um, this idea of ownership, right? It's like you knowing your rights is important as a business person to get to know yourself, right? Your intention is one thing, but also know your business. And the business aspect is like, 
when you create something, we're getting maybe like contract talk now, but if you're, get, if you're getting into that, that space of being a creative entrepreneur or a creative business owner, thinking about not the immediate payoff or the immediate ask in front of you, always thinking about the future ask and the future need, because your future self is going to happen regardless, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to keep existing. So you need to think about how do I take care of that person or how do I take care of that company if you started a company already? And I think part of it is thinking about those partnerships because partnerships are not just an uh, outcome of something, right? Mm -hmm. It's about finding your community in business as well. If you can find other like-minded companies that share your values, your vision, or they're connected to the types of things that fuel the reason why you do and run this business, then it'll also ultimately feed the future self, not just that immediate payoff from having a good, strong partnership. And these are like, you know, you see it in Instagram all the time. That's a very transactional way to do partnerships, right? Where it's like a product placement, like it was in the movies back in the day. Mm -hmm. It's too overt. Like mm -hmm. audience knows it's a you know seeing a Tide bottle. It's not gonna, it's not fooling anybody, right? In the background, like it needs to be organic, and that's that comes with knowing your business, but it also comes with getting out there. And so it's also it's good to make mistakes, like <laughs> calculated mistakes. I mean, you know, in the pursuit of a big vision, because that's how you that's how you actually find people a lot of times, right? And there's logistics too, like if you're depending on your channel that you're using, there's certain tools that will help you sort of hone in, right, on getting in front of those audiences a little bit. But ultimately, I think it'll probably lead to organic partnerships. Um, the other thing too is, you know, collaborate and do it for free sometimes. Like this idea of, you know, doing, it doesn't always have to be an outcome that you show everybody. Like there's collaboration that happens all the time on the back end of things, right? And that could be going to coffee. That could be, and this is not a networking event, right? This is an organic thing. Like you go there maybe with five questions or challenge each other sometimes. Like when I was really young, I used to, we were going, I was going to college, right? I had a friend and she was afraid to go to college. First time leaving home, you know, that's the same kind of feelings. And, you know, for the first couple of months, we had an exchange. We challenged each other. We made, we made this uh, box that we would throw random goods in and ship back and forth to each other. Mm -hmm. And it was a way to, you know, create novelty out of an experience that was really scary for some people because your identity is changing. And essentially, when you become a creative business owner, your identity is changing. You're no longer just an artist or creative. You're somebody who is also a business owner. You're an entrepreneur. You're an influencer of sorts. You sort of, and if you grow your business large enough, you become sort of a, a family, right, in a mm -hmm. sense, because you're responsible for other people now not just the thing you're, you're birthing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think if you can find a mechanism that helps you stay challenged as well, I think that's gonna be the future of creativity, building that challenge into the way we approach our work. Mm, beautiful, that was a perfect ending. Thank you so much for being here, Giovanni. Yeah, we finally made it happen. Yeah, I'm sure this is gonna awesome. be part one of many more conversations. <laughs> yeah, this was so. awesome. Yes, yeah. that's it, this is a wrap. Yeah. <laughs>